All right, open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts. Wow, delayed reaction. The book of Acts. Excellent job. So as you're opening to the book of Acts, we are in, the, we are in Acts chapter 1. And let's just remember what's going on. Let's get ourselves caught up. Acts chapter 1 is Luke's introduction to the rest of the Paul Harvey, the rest of the story of, the, of, the, of his story of the church. And Acts chapter 1 overlaps with Luke 24. So Luke Acts, uh, one author, two volumes, and the 20, chapter 24 of Luke, the last part of Luke, overlaps with the first part of Acts. And so there, it, it, it's, an, it's an intentional, it's called a recapitulation. And so it's intentional. And what we, what's really cool is when we lay them on top of each other and we look at them like this, we see that there are, what does Luke repeat? What does Luke emphasize in both the conclusion of Luke and the introduction of Acts. And when we see that, we say, aha! Aha! This is what is important. Okay? So we want to hear that. Plus, uh, it, it does a lot for us. So what have we seen so far? We have seen Luke reminding us of, well, of what Jesus says to his followers just before his ascension, primarily about the promise of the Spirit. And so Luke is telling uh, us, the reader, uh, hey, Jesus reminded his disciples about the coming of the Spirit and said some things to them about it. So that tells us, number one, Jesus knew it was important, believed it was important to stir up the expectometer of his disciples. It, that when our faith, when, our, when, the, when, when an informed faith is a ready and robust and healthy faith. So not only was he doing that for them, because now Luke records for us what Jesus said to them. And so, so aren't we glad that they, so they didn't enter the upper room with empty heads and empty hearts, but with expectation. Now God met those and exceeded them, but they didn't come empty-headed, empty-hearted. In the same way, you and I, because we get to read this, we get to come to the promise of the Holy Spirit. We also have our expectations enlarged. Our faith is informed, and God will meet us at our faith, and our faith can help determine our experience and our awareness and our expression of the Spirit. And that's exciting. Good. I'm glad you agreed. So what we have seen so far, we've, we've looked at uh, the first part. Now we're going to jump to verse 6, verses 6 through 8 today. And uh, it'll be on the screen, but let, let's, let me read it out loud to you. Here's what Luke tells us about the next thing that Jesus says to his disciples. So when they had come together, they, the disciples, began asking him, saying, Lord is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? But he said to them, It is not for you to know the periods of time or the appointed seasons. Time out. This is a New America Standard 2020 version. Pretty good job here. Your Bibles probably traditionally say times or seasons. Right? Times or seasons are usually, and you might think, well, why does it say times or seasons? The word is chronos and kairos. And one of them simply means a general span of time, and then another one means a very specific or a unique season. Okay? 
And Jesus tells his disciples, just in case they don't get it, lean into this, dear friends and neighbors, okay? It's, it is not for you. Anybody have a puppy or a kid? <laughs> I'd be careful. Someone say, not for you. Jesus says, it is not for you to know the periods of time or the appointed times. There are periods of time. There are appointed times, but they're not for you to know. The Father is set by his own authority. Verse 8, but you, oh, you will. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Somebody say, I shall be. You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest parts of the earth. So far in in chapter 1, here's what Jesus has told us. You will have what you wait for. And you have heard about it from me. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. That's enough to be happy about Pentecost. Who's that guy walking around camera? Okay, let's go to verse 6. Let's look at the disciples' question together real quick, just for a little bit of background and help us. It'll kind of frame the whole day. The disciples say, they ask this question, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, that is really what they are articulating is really an, an eschatological expectation. They, before we know that in, in the earlier part of the Gospels, before the re- death and resurrection of Jesus, there was still some question about and some anticipation about a physical kingdom coming. And a lot of times people think, oh, they, oh my goodness, they're back to that again. They want Jesus to go get a sword and take care of Nero. Okay. Well, not exactly. Under, in the disciples' mind, Jesus has died been buried, and has rose again. They have witnessed the resurrection of the dead. They have witnessed the beginning of a new eschaton. This is a big deal. They are aware that nothing... They are... I should put a seatbelt on. They are aware that nothing is the same as it used to be. And on top of that, Jesus is saying to them, the Holy Spirit is coming. The promise. Somebody see the promise. The promise, the promise, the promise. And we talked about how he, that they, they knew about the promise of the Old Testament, that Jesus had told them, all this stuff. So resurrection, promise of the Spirit. And so you can understand these disciples. What they're essentially asking Jesus is, is this it? They asked the age-old question. They were the first ones to ask. Are these the end times? They lean into Jesus and they say, all right, tell us. I don't know how many people look around when they ask that question. Are, are, they, are we in the end times? <laughs> For them, it was a very legitimate question. And today, that question is asked often. <laughs> people ask that question, especially, I don't know about you, but I was asked that question several times in the last year and a half. <laughs> Anybody else? Is this it? 
are these the end times? And that wasn't, and if you've been around for a hot minute, that, that's not the first time people have asked about that. No. Right? 9-11? Uh, Gorbachev, whatever, all those guys, I mean, everything. Right? All the things. This is it, right? This is the, this is the end times. And so people ask that question, and here's the deal. They, when they ask that question, they generally have... Uh, there's some, the implication that they have about, there's about two answers they have, one of two, <laughs> or, or two responses to the question. So like, if you say yes, people will respond, they're, they're looking to respond in one of two ways. Oh, yeah. The first one is panic. Yeah. <laughs> Basically what they're saying is, is it time to panic? <laughs> Should I start prepping? <laughs> do, I need, do I need to get the soups and the ramen? <laughs> and I, uh, no, Listen. No matter what, get the toilet paper. We learned that. That doesn't work. There's no logic to it. Just stock up on it. <laughs> Mercy. Lose our minds. Okay? But you can tell. You should, some, you, when someone has asked that question, that's when the line goes out and around the building at the, with the store. You know? Ah! It's like when the one snowflake falls. Ah! Okay, they panic. They panic, and that's one thing. But the other response that people have if, about the end times is, if it's the end times, I better get serious. Yeah. I better get serious. Mm-hmm. I better, I better, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to go to church. <laughs> well, I got I to take inventory. I mean, people say, I got to go to church. I got to take inventory of my life. I got to get some things right. Okay. Well, let me just say this. If your response is going to be, well, then I better get serious, then I will say yes every time. Yeah. 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 I'll say, oh, absolutely, end times. Get absolute, call, yeah, yeah, call that. What's that fella in the, the Houston? What's his name is? John Haggie. Call John Haggie. Get yourself a chart and a graph and get freaked out and uh, get serious. If that's what it takes, fine. Um, but Jesus, and we we could engage that. I mean, the, I think the answer is we, we've been in the end times for a hot minute. But um, but here's verse seven. Jesus answered. They say, "Is this the end times?" In verse seven, Jesus says, "Not for you to know." Are these the end times? None of your business. Wait, wait. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure that the Evangelical North American Church, Pentecostal Church, Charismatic folk heard that. Uh, are these the end times? None of your business. But what about my paperback? <laughs> well, save it for winter. For the fire. Are these the end times? None of your business. Discipleship is not about changing how you live because of the time or the season. Discipleship is living ready. Not for you. None of your business. What what is for you? There is something for you. And that's what he says in verse 8. You will be my witnesses. Jesus said, you 
will be my witnesses. What does that mean, witness? Well, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a legal term. It means someone who gives testimony or gives evidence, right? And sometimes it's helpful to replace a word that has become so familiar with another word to help us understand just how significant it is. Just like we replaced baptize with pickle. When I, yeah, Jesus said, you will be baptized. You'll get pickled. You'll, you'll go in a cucumber and come out a pickle. You'll be changed by what you get put into. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. When Jesus said, you will be my witnesses, he's saying, you will be, you will be the evidence of me. You will be the evidence of me. Not just by your claims, and not just by what you say or how well you try to argue, and not just <laughs> and not just when you go witnessing, you know, when you get your Jesus gear on and pass out tracks. <laughs> he didn't say you will go witnessing. He said you will be my witnesses. To be a witness for Jesus requires and must capture your whole identity. You cannot compartmentalize your witness. You cannot compartmentalize your witness. Well, I want to be a good testimony for Jesus when I leave my house. Your testimony, that's what the psalmist said. The psalmist said, and the the, the Living Bible says, Lord, help me to walk with integrity, especially in my own house where I need it the most. There's too often this idea of compartmentalization. It means I'm going to go certain places. I'm going to, there are going to be certain times. There are, going to be, there are going to be outreaches. That's when I'm a witness, when during an outreach, or when I wear my Jesus shirt, or, or when I'm on a missions trip. How many love missions trips? Yes. Oh, they're fantastic. They're, fa- they're great. They're formative. They're discipling. They're great experiences, great ideas. You should come with me. I'll take you to Cuba. We'll go back to Africa. We'll go to the Philippines. We'll do things. It'll be great. Great, great, great. Great, great. I'm with, i got to take more people with me. I'm a shame puppy for not taking more people with me. Okay? But what we must understand from Jesus is the idea that our whole life is a mission strip. Yes. The minute you say that you say yes, when Jesus says, follow me, you're on a mission. Yes. And for those who will follow Jesus, he brings us into vital contact with his Holy Spirit so that we can live like and live for Jesus. Yes. You will be his witness. Yes. Your whole lives will must testify. Prove that Jesus is Lord. If you really want to, I'm already out of time, but if you really want to take a look at the, 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 there's there's a lot of history here. Uh, In the Old Testament, a witness, for instance, here's a quick example. When when Joshua led the people out across the Jordan River and into the promised land, and out of the Jordan River, what did they do? They, They grabbed 12 large stones. 
and they, and they pulled them out and they stacked them up as a reminder, as a testimony to what the Lord had done, right? And what did they call that stack of stones? A witness. It's, there it is. There's proof. There's a proof. There's proof of who God is and what he's done. And that is you. That's you, 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 you. You are the evidence of a risen, reigning, returning Christ. That's you. Isaiah chapter 43, the Lord calls the, the, the people. Listen to this. This sounds, sounds familiar. We, we know uh, that uh, Luke loves Isaiah. He quotes from Isaiah. Sometimes he tells us that he is. But when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, those Bible boys, they knew that. They said, hey, we've heard that before. Isaiah 43, verse 10, the Lord says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, and there'll be none after me. I, only I am the Lord. There is no other Savior besides me. You're the proof. You're the evidence. There's no other Savior but Jesus. Wow. Verse 12, it is I who have declared and have saved and proclaimed, and there's no strange God among you, so you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. You are his witnesses. And if here's the deal. If that doesn't overwhelm you, you aren't paying attention. How is he, what's, what is God's plan? What is his plan to prove the risen, reigning, returning, glorious Christ? You. You. You will live like Jesus. And you will live for Jesus. Why Paul will say in the, in the epistles, he will tell us, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means whatever you do, you do it as if it were Jesus doing it. Yeah. Oh. And then he says, and elsewhere, whatever you do, whatever you do, work hard and cheerfully as unto the Lord. Yeah. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whoa. So being a witness means I live like Jesus, I live as Jesus, and I live for him. You will be my witnesses. Well, where and to who? You will be my witnesses, Jesus says, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and as far as the remotest parts of the earth. Now, from a literary standpoint, stamp, standpoint, standpoint, from a literary standpoint, that's a what he just what Luke just did was he just he just gave a, us a clue for the rest of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is going to follow that geographic outline: uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, remote. It's going to extend out there. And Acts one eight really is kind of a summary of the whole book of Acts. So what he mean? What he what it really literally says is Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the city, it was the capital area, and all the, all the region around it. Judea was the region, the region around Jerusalem, and then Samaria was the region to the north. But it also included Samaritans. That's right. Just for fun, everybody say boo. That's right, Samaritans. They were like nodding their head. You could have to watch the scene with Jesus and his troop. You'll be my witnesses. Oh, yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
in Jerusalem. Hell, heck yeah, Jerusalem, take that. Yeah, and in Judea. Oh, yeah, 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 Samaria. Mm-mm. <laughs> what? Where? And as far as the remotest parts of the earth. Now, when Jesus said the remotest parts of the earth, in their minds, it was likely, if we consider his history and culture, it was likely that, that, that their minds would have considered places like Rome and the sea coasts of Europe and as far east as Alexander the Great would have conquered. And probably they would have imagined as far down south in the African continent, as far as Ethiopia, they were thinking about, oh, that's, those are the remotest parts of the earth. And, those, and that's true. And all of those regions were uh, influenced, were reached uh, with the message of the gospel within a few decades of Pentecost. But the remotest parts of the earth, really, we need to understand that to be exactly what it says. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in every geographic region on earth, and you'll be my witnesses to every ethnic group on earth. And to all peoples and to all localities. Think about what this means when Jesus says this. He says, you're going to be his evidence. And it's going to start with at, your, at, at home. It's going to start at home. It's going to, and it's going to exist in your own neighborhood and in your own community. And it's going to extend across town. And even across the tracks. It you will be witnesses to people and perhaps especially to people that you do not like and that may not like you because you no longer have permission to treat people according to the world. You do not belong to you. You are his witness. And you must be Jesus to them and unto them. Be, Unto, treat, unto the Lord, I'm going to treat them as unto the Lord, and I'm going to be them as if it were the Lord. Be to them. Oh, mercy sakes. And you will be my witness to people that you have not yet met. There's no, he offers no limitation to the scope and assignment of our witness. Here's where I would love us to lean in a little bit, friends, once again. Once again, this, in this scripture are the principles and the truth, the solve, the healing balm, the righting of all of our wrongs. Pentecost, the message of Pentecost, is a robust and full embrace of all humanity. Every tribe, every tongue, every socioeconomic status, every culture, every trace of every lack or abundance of melanin in your skin, ever. And we're not done yet. We're just getting work, getting started to talk about this. Next, next chapter, we're going to go after this even more. But Pentecost, the assignment, the implication of the outpouring of the Spirit is now the church is the Spirit-empowered agent of Jesus Christ to embrace every human being, to redeem, to bring every image-bearer home. This is why we say, come home. Would you all just say it out loud with me? Come home.
And that happens through his witnesses. You will be his witness. And there is no plan B. There's no plan B. Yeah, I remember every once in a while the church gets excited, it seems, about a plan B. I, don't, I think tools and not, those things are neat. I remember, I'll just say it one thing, and you can get mad, and that's fine. We'll be all right. But uh, I remember one time I was speaking at a young adult group, and they had all bought tickets to The Passion of the Christ. It was all in theaters. And they, and they, were, and they all bought tickets to go see The Passion of the Christ. And, and the, but the way they were talking was, this is it. These movie tickets. All right, this is the way that we are going to win the world. And I said, no, it's not. I'm talking to the group. I said, no, no, you're the plan. It, it didn't go over well, but we don't need to talk about that. But, there, but there's, it, there, Jesus didn't say, well, don't, you're my witnesses, but don't worry, I have a backup plan. There is no backup plan. There is no plan A. You're plan, there is no plan B. You are plan A. Tell your neighbor, I'm on to 18. Go ahead and sing it. Yeah, I'm on to A team. And there's no better plan than you. You're his plan and there's not a better one. What about me? Oh, yep, you're his plan. There is not, he does not have a better plan than you. Come on, believe that. Get it down deep in your believometer. You will be his witnesses. How? Okay, I know it's 10.30. We're going to, clock's ticking. Food's out there in the cafe. But the, the big deal is all of this should set us up to think, well, now, now, Jesus, you have just laid out once again something totally impossible. We will be the evidence of Jesus, and we will be the evidence of Jesus for the entire world, for every human. And our job is nothing less than to reveal Jesus to them. That's impossible. How are we going to do that? This is what this, the answer is in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How will we be his witness? How will we live like Jesus and for Jesus? How will we be living proof of the risen, reigning, returning Christ? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is it, friends. Here, Jesus identifies the singular means of our testimony. The singular means of our testimony is power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might say, hey, wait a minute, Pastor Dabby. I, 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 wait a minute. Wait, 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 what, what about love? I mean, John said that by, you know, this, this is my command, love one another. Uh, by this, all men will know that you belong to me because you love one another. Well, yeah, darn tootin'. Love is how we show that we belong to him. Love is the evidence of who you are. Power is the evidence of who he is. Loveless disciples, phony. Powerless witnesses, ineffective. Power. Why? His name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. His, his name is not just a better idea or a philosophy or a mood I'm in. 
His, there, his name is power and life and healing. His name breaks every stronghold. His name, his name shines through the darkness and, and burns. His, you, this is who you are to be a testimony to. Power. When Luke talks about power, when, he, when we read power, that you receive power, the best thing we can do is understand, Lord, uh, we can look at in the book of Luke and say, how has Luke already described this word? What does he mean by power? Well, and when, we, when we consider the, the testimony of Luke Acts and we think, well, how is this word used? What does it mean? When he says, you shall receive power, here's what it means. You shall receive the same power that came upon Mary. You shall receive the same power that Jesus brought with him from his baptism and out of the wilderness. You shall receive the same power that drove out unclean spirits. You shall receive the same power that flowed from him in healing virtue. You shall receive the same power that Jesus felt come out of him when the woman touched him. You shall receive the same power of the Lord that was present to heal the sick when they lowered the lame man through the roof. You shall receive the same power that Jesus said to his disciples that you will be clothed with power from on high. Not power from anywhere else. Not a worldly, political, cultural, financial, economic power. But a power from heaven itself. Friends, if Jesus relied on the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more must we? Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. We are promised the same power because we have received the same Holy Spirit. Somebody in the room say, same Holy Ghost. Same Holy Ghost. Say it again. Same Holy Ghost. If he is the same Holy Ghost, then we have received the same power. Somebody else in the room say, same power. Let's say it together. Same Holy Ghost. Same Holy Ghost. Same power. Cole, let's try it again. Say both together. Same Holy Ghost. Same power. He is the same. That's why the song of the church has to be able to be, you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Bound, oppressed, tormented, sick, or lame. Because the Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. Friends, lift up your faith. Lift up your expectometer. Hear the words of Jesus. Hear your calling. Hear the promise of Jesus that he has chosen you, ordinary yous and me's, to receive the gift of his spirit and that by that effectual working of the spirit, you and I will be witnesses of Jesus. Let your glory fall in this room. Let it go forth 
Stand together and just sing this chorus. You're here to be baptized this morning. Jeremy will wait for you right over here. From here to the time sing this chorus open your hearts like to be seated just for a few moments. I'm going to ask for your help. How many we got, Jeremy? A couple. A couple? Very good. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you just to be seated just for another couple of minutes. And remember that as we, when we baptize people, I'm going to ask for your help. Are you ready to help? Are you ready to pray, to pray with and affirm those this morning? Are you ready? Yes. What are we going to do? When they, when they come up out of the water, how are you going to pray with them? Come, Holy Spirit. You should say it better than that. Are you ready for it? Very good. We are expecting God to meet these people powerfully today. All right, Jeremy, who do we have? This, this is Hallie Brocious. Hallie Brocious. Hallie, could, could you come right over come here? Come on over here. You ready? You want to take your sandals off? Okay. Now, Hallie, I'm just going to have you stand right here, and Jeremy's going to hold that mic, and this isn't going to be a big speech or anything, but I just want to give you opportunity to respond to the questions of Scripture, okay? So, so the, the Bible says that we are to repent of our sin and that we are to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you, first of all, have you repented of sin? Yes, I have. Very good. And do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. Very good. Hallie, I'm going to anoint you with oil now, and I'm going to ask. Hey, I will get out of anyone's way. You can take all the pictures you want. You want me to move? Okay. All right. Hallie, I'm going to anoint you with oil now in the name of the Lord, and I'm going to ask. That the Holy Spirit meet you in these waters of baptism today. And just as Jesus Christ died and rose again, right now, today, you are dying to sin and living for righteousness and affirming that you believe that not only did Jesus rise and that he reigns, but that he is returning for you. Hallie, join me in the waters here. It would be best if you sit all the way down. That's the best way to do this. You'll find the water is warm. It is warm. Yes. Take good care of you. <laughs> there you go. If you sit all the way down, it's easier for me to help you, okay? You ready? Oh, perfect. Just like that. Just like that. Are you ready? Yes. Hallie, based on the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is our privilege to baptize you in Christ's name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen.
Lord, come upon you today. Empower your life. New life to you. Amen. Excellent. You good? We got a towel? Good. Good, good. Mama Glow. Schooly right here. All right. You guys together? You pals? Good. All right. Good friends. It's all right, friends. Stand right here together. I'm going to talk to you both. Daryl and Alex. Daryl and Alex. All right. I'm going to ask you these questions, and I'm going to let you each respond. Have you, re- Daryl, have you repented of your sin? Yes, I have. Alex, have you repented of your sin? Yes. Daryl, do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? I sure do. Yes, do you? I do. All right. I'm going to anoint you both with oil. And then one at a time, we're going to go in these waters. And we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to meet you powerfully today. Just as, just as Jesus Christ was buried and rose again, you too have died to sin and will be raised to a new life. And we affirm, we believe, that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken also your mortal bodies. He, will, he is the returning Christ. And you too will rise. Make sense? Daryl, I anoint you now with oil in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you to join me now in these waters of baptism. May the Holy Spirit meet you today. May the seal of the Holy Spirit be confirmed and strengthened upon your life. Let's go. Yeah. There's no Bible requirement for cold water. Ready, Daryl? Daryl? Yeah. Daryl, upon the profession of your faith, it is my pleasure to baptize you now in the name of Jesus Christ. So in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. anoint you now with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, your church, pray now that the Holy Spirit meets you powerfully. 
May he free you. May he loose you. May you rise today with greater freedom and greater joy in your life. This we pray in Jesus' name. Ready? Alex, based upon the profession of your faith, it is our privilege now to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. So in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Happy, happy resurrection life. Go be witnesses of Jesus.